the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as always is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Trev, manic night. I know. Uh, It's what? It's about two and a half hours since the uh, transfer yep. window slammed shut. It's for, great, isn't it? For, Extra for little bit of theatre. It is, although I must admit, I don't see why this day can't be the week before the season starts. Yeah, I don't know what you know, Just to give everybody, you know, because I just think, as we've seen with many players, you know, especially the likes of Luka Modric and stuff like that, who have been distracted by a transfer or are trying to spend the first three weeks of the season trying to engineer a move, mm. you know, and refusing to play. And you just sort of think, why does, why do we have to leave it three weeks into the season? Why would, why couldn't you just say, okay, one week before the first game of the season, that's the transfer deadline. You would still get this frenzy of activity. It wouldn't yeah. be any less dramatic, but at least then every coach, and every player would know where they're starting the season and, and where they are until January. And there's other complications as well, like uh, Europe started to things like Arsenal couldn't play Nasri because they didn't want to have him cup tied, so they can send him to City. Yeah. And, and also, it's the same as the um, international break. So there's some players who haven't joined up with their international camps yet because they're arranging a deal. So all in all, it's a pretty awful day to have, it, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And I know that it, it's done obviously with the European leagues in mind that that start you know a little bit later obviously mm. Serie A hasn't kicked off yet for other reasons but um but I just think you know it, it's just a distraction that I, I don't think most clubs really need um you know and if you look at so, and also it always gets me why do they all leave it until the very last minute do, does any manager really wake up like yesterday morning and go oh I need four players yeah but Jacko, we know what it's like in the office on deadline day. We know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a funny tweet from someone saying typical blokes always leave their shopping to the last minute. But yeah, it, it, it's not just there's a few last minute deals. I wonder what the percentage of deals are that just seem to ram through on the last day. Yeah, it's well, total spending. I saw uh, a quick tweet. I think as top four hundred and fifty eight million. Seems reasonable. Uh, over the summer and, and before the transfer in the shut, which I think is around a hundred million pounds up on the same period last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's Big. a lot. That's, that's a lot nearly money. half a billion pounds. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But anyway, let's uh let's have a look at some of the uh the headline moves. Obviously we haven't got time to cover absolutely everything, but we'll look at some of the main movers. Uh, Arsenal needed to have a busy transfer window and they did have. Um they out went, uh, obviously after Fabregas and Nasri, but also out went Bentner to uh, Sunderland. In, and probably one of the biggest surprises, I'd say, of this transfer window was Arteta from Everton yeah. uh, to Arsenal. Um, we'll talk about Everton shortly. Uh, ben Ayun has come in on loan from Chelsea. Uh, per Mertesacker has come in from Werder Bremen uh, to shore up that central defence. Uh, Andre Santos uh, has come from Fenerbahce, and I believe they've also signed a Korean forward Park from Monaco, although that wasn't yes. a deadline day sign, yeah. and that was, that was a couple of days ago. So, Trev, let's, you know, does, this, does this work for Arsenal for you? I mean, looking at where they, you know, finally it seems like uh, Wenger has bowed to the pressure or the reality of the fact that he did need to strengthen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, 
people say, well, you know, Arteta and Benayoum aren't suitable replacements for Fabregas and Nazari. Well, of course, they weren't going to go out and replace those two. Um, I, I think that it's better than nothing because that's what I thought was going to happen. I, I thought they, you know, they might strengthen up with, you know, perhaps another youngster or another guy I haven't heard of. So they're kind of, you know, talented, slightly lightweight playmakers. Arteta, bit of a question mark over how injury prone he is. But yeah, I mean, look, they're, you know, throw them into a midfield with Wiltshire and, and Ramsey and it, it's looking a little bit better. Is it good enough to make me feel that they're going to make the top four? No, I, I still think fifth is, is where I can see him being. Mertesacker, I think, would be a good signing, though. You know, big, solid centre-back, you know, proven international experience, you know, Bundesliga veteran. You know, he's still not as old as I thought he was. I thought he was yeah. much older than that. He's like 26, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think in Vermaelen, they've got a... They've got a, a a good ball-playing centre-back, very intelligent player, but he's not the tallest. And I just think that, that those two together will um, will give him some, uh, you know, some solidity at the back. Obviously, we're going to talk about um, the Premier League games from the weekend, and uh, that was the backdrop to this transfer day uh, madness from Arsenal. Um, my boys, Villa, uh, Luke Young went to QPR. That was done earlier in the week, uh, which was a bit of a strange one. Um, and uh, Jean de Macoun, who we only bought last January, has been shipped out to Olympiacos on loan. And on deadline day, in came Jermaine Janus and uh, Alan Hutton from Spurs. Uh, not really sure how I feel about it. Yeah, that. it's one of those... Hutton, it... Hutton I quite like. And, and obviously, with Luke Young leaving, we have a desperate need for a right-back. I mean, we had... Uh, we had Aussie, young Aussie lad Chris Hurd play right back at the weekend, and whilst he had a, a very, very good game and, and was man of the match, yeah, I don't think he's the long-term solution. I wouldn't fancy you know 36 games with him as our only right back option. Um, so I think we needed to strengthen in that. I, I certainly see Chris Hurd's position long-term being in the centre of midfield. And Janus has always been a bit meh for me. Yeah, he's, he's been rumoured with us before. I believe that there was a deadline day might even been two years ago when O'Neill, when Janus was apparently halfway up on his way to Villa to, yeah. and got called back. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not a bad player. I think he's a little bit inconsistent and dines off scoring the odd goal more than being a good all-round player. But he's not a bad addition. He's on loan, that is, is that right? Yes, Janus so, is a season on loan. Kind yeah. of risk-free, isn't it? But, but yeah, but the problem is, is, is as we had with Carl Walker from Spurs last year, we bring... You know, we bring a player in from one of our nearest rivals. We give them first team action that they're not getting at their odds. They do really well. Go back and they either get sold for a bigger fee than we can afford, or they go straight back into the Spurs well, that's, first team. That's the thing about low mills. If they if they work out really well for you, you're going to have to you're stump up more money then. than you yeah. you want. But I mean, look, it, it works as a bit of a stopgap, doesn't it? So yeah. So uh, to sum up Villa's uh, start to Villa's season, we brought in a manager that got our nearest rivals relegated. We've sold our best two players for Liverpool, to Liverpool and Man United, and uh, we've brought in some Spurs rejects. Yeah, brilliant. Could be worse. Chelsea, uh, obviously, have, have been active. Uh, ben Ayun going out on loan to Arsenal. That's a loan as well. But they brought in Raúl Morales, which is, which was a strange one because I thought he had a, you know, did very well. I think he was a bit slow to settle, but second half of last season, I thought he was excellent. I think and, Liverpool um, fans are upset to lose him. I think it's about ten million the fee for that, and that's a four-year deal. That's no loan. That is a signing. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I think he's a quality player. Yeah, that, that seems seems like a good pick up. I mean, I, I'm still not um, overall by that Chelsea squad. It doesn't blow me away in the in the way that either of the Manchester teams do. Um, and I still think third's their best shout. Okay, uh, Liverpool. Joe Cole 
went on loan to Lille for a season. Is he commuting? Did you read about that? I doubt it. <laughs> they might let him commute from London. That was part of the deal. What, so he's still living in London? Well, no, he'll move to London. He's a, oh, London, right. he's a London boy, isn't he? So he'll probably move back down there. <laughs> Why? You, you, like... I don't know. No friends in Lille, I suppose. No friends in Liverpool either after the last <laughs> season. Uh, Morales, as we talked about, gone to Chelsea. David Ungo has gone to Bolton. Uh, and Craig Bellamy is coming on a free transfer back to Liverpool for not, a second stint. Not a bad backup striker. They've asked him really? to leave his golf clubs in Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good pick. I thought it was going to be a loan move. I was surprised that they signed him on. A, you know, it's free transfer. So yeah, two nothing years to lose really. That that's you know seems like a pretty good option. I'd, I think Liverpool fans wanted Adam Johnson the most. To sort of you know have Johnson warming and perhaps Downing on the other to supply for Carroll and, and then Suarez, but that didn't we didn't go anywhere in the end, did he, Johnson? Um, which I, I thought he might because he struggled to get a regular place last season. Nazari's coming now, yeah, um, and Aguero, yeah, and Aguero. <laughs> so it, it's difficult to see how an international winger for England is going to get much game time at City. Yeah, okay, uh, Spurs. Uh, not surprising with good old Harry. Yeah, don't call him a wheeler dealer. Out went Hutton, Crouch to Stoke, Palacios to Stoke, Bentley on loan to West Ham, Janus to Villa. Uh, in came Scott Parker from your boys. Yeah. And that's a signing, isn't it? That's not a loan. That's five and a half million, was it? So, yeah, the, it's a, between five and six million. Um, we had high, higher bids come in for Parker, but he didn't want to go. Fenerbahce and places like that bid 10 million for Parker. Didn't want to go. He always wanted to go to Tottenham. It's the most obvious fit. And yeah, I, I think he'll do well there. I mean, the, the pivotal thing for I think Parker would be brilliant as their ball winner um, is how Modric is going to play. And Modric, is, it, it's arguably the that non-transfer is is one of the biggest talking points of of today. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm kind of pleased he hasn't gone because Tottenham stood firm with what they said. But the problem is, if what's better to take 40 million or be stuck with a player that just doesn't want to play for you. Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking about Austin this morning. It's like, you know, the other players as well. I mean, forget the stick he's going to get from the crowd. I mean, that, that's yeah. going to be bad enough, you know. I mean, because he all but requested a transfer, you mm. know. Um, he, you know, for him to turn around to Harry Redknapp, as Harry Redknapp revealed before the uh, before the Man City game. His head wasn't ready. Say, I, I don't want to play. I'm not, yeah. not in the right mood to play. I mean, how does that then translate to the player group you know they're like well this guy just doesn't want to be here you know, can we trust him is he going to be putting in the effort yeah you know I just think it's a, it's a real dangerous game to play in that you know yes you've proved your point yes you've held out from a, someone who's a much more better resource than you but in the end and I always think that in the end these players end up getting shipped out in January because they're never the same again the relationship with, within the team but also the relationship with the fans can't be repaired Hmm. And they, they inevitably or invariably end up leaving in January. Yeah, there'll be some sort of statement. For less money. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of statement soon about his dedication for the club, I'm sure. A bit like Carlton Cole when he's, he's moved to Stoke fell through because he couldn't agree personal terms. There's a statement on the West Ham site going, I'm dedicated to West Ham because it hasn't worked out. That... Where's he now? Cole? Yeah. He stayed at West Ham. Oh, right. Yeah, so, so we retained Green and Cole. Um, I mean, Parker was the only person we actually... We lost a lot of people like... Um, Morte and ridiculous players like that dire but yeah um, Parker was the only sort of headline act we lost alright QPR uh, no one's gone out in has come uh, obviously they, they made a few uh, other signs pre-deadline day the highest profile of which was Joe Barton yeah uh, but in also came Sean Wright Phillips from Man City and Anton Ferdinand from Sunderland QPR rolling back the years by bringing in a Ferdinand 
And they actually realised he's nowhere near as good as Les. It could be a mix-up, maybe, with a new owner. Uh, and the other thing is, as someone puts that, why does every club that gets bought out by ridiculously rich owners buy Sean Wright Phillips? Yeah. I, I've got a problem with Sean Wright Phillips. I, I just don't like him. I just don't rate him. Um, I have him way down the list of, of right-sided English midfielders. He's but. certainly played the system. But, I mean, he is he will be a phenomenally wealthy very average player. Yeah. Having yeah. moved, you know, from, from Man to Chelsea and then back to Man City again, you know, and now to QPR. Yeah, signing all fees every time. But, you know, I guess at least he's going to play now, so. Yeah. yeah chance. I guess that's the question is, at what point do you have enough money? <laughs> you know, yeah. At what point do you think, well, you know, I've got probably 40, 50 million in the bank now. Maybe now. I, I am a footballer after all. Maybe it's about time I played some football. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Stoke um, doing their best to uh, to get rid of the preconceptions about their style of play, signing Peter Crouch. Yeah, after missing out on Cotton Cole. <laughs> a hard-working midfielder in Palacios. Yeah, they've got another striker, the lad from Birmingham as well. Cameron um, Cam- Jerome. Yeah, Cameron yeah, Jerome. He's the small, nippy one. He's six foot one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Crouch and uh, Kenwin Jones up front for Stoke. Mm. Mm. They'll be effective, though. All right, so that, that's the sort of tour of, of the main uh, talking points from this morning. As I said, it was a very, uh, very frenzied day in the UK, as it always is. Biggest, biggest winner and biggest loser? I think biggest loser, Everton. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously losing Arteta, who's been their sort of creative spark for a number of years. Beckford, uh, Beckford also went out to Leicester. Did Yukubu complete his move to Blackburn? I don't think they're that sure. bothered about that Not anyway. Sure. The, uh, and obviously... They've got uh, Drenta on loan from Real Madrid. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, their financial woes have been well documented and this really isn't going to do, uh, do them many favours. So I think it's going to be a long old season for our Everton friends out there. Um, you know, Arsenal made some interesting signs. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can um, they can bed them in. Uh, I think QPR might be the, might be the biggest, uh, biggest win. I mean, they didn't lose anyone. They've just added... You know, a fairly decent spread of players, and certainly out of the newly promoted teams, they should feel the most confident. Yeah, and I think you know Stoke as well. You know, yeah. sort of strengthened from that. You know, from that from a decent season they had last year, FA Cup final. You know, I think um, I think they're sort of you know now tr- looking to kick on and consolidate as a as an established Premier League side mm. rather than a side that is just happy to stay up every year. Yep. All right, well, we've got a couple of weeks. We've got a break, obviously, for the uh, international window, which we'll be talking about later. So we won't actually get to see these guys uh, in action uh, until a week on Saturday. So um, it's going to be, uh, there'll be some uh, changing of formations and, you know, once they get back from international duty as well, because a lot of these players will obviously be on international duty. So they, yeah. they won't even probably get to meet some of their teammates until a couple of days before the next game. So we'll be following that with interest. All right, that's it for part one. We will be back in part two to talk about some of the local news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. The September issue of 442 is on sale now. Football's back, and we have the complete season guide for all major European leagues, including a two-page profile on every English Premier League side, while we offer overviews of the Spanish, Italian, and Germany campaigns. Also in this issue, there's an interview with rising soccer star Reese Williams and our regular performance section featuring tips from the world's best players on improving your game 442 the ultimate football magazine on sale now the latest on the world game this is 442 insider 
Hello and welcome back to the second part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We are going to turn our attention closer to home and have a look at some of the headlines on our website this week. Uh, Brett Emerton arrived in Sydney. Great news. And uh, finally we saw the picture of him holding up a Sydney FC shirt. He's obviously been given his uh, favourite number seven shirt. Um, and, you know, he's been pretty realistic. He said, you know, he's aware of the expectations. Uh, you know, as all the soccerers seem to be, he's aware of, you know, what happened with John Aloisi at Sydney. Uh, but he's willing to take that in his stride. It's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's up to that. I think um, very difficult to find anyone with a bad word against Brett Emerton, isn't it, Trev? No, yeah, he's, he's clearly a good guy, works hard. Um, you know, I think his comments are to be uh, slightly jaded journal for a minute. He's quite dry, isn't he? In terms of when he does his interviews, but that, you know that's fine. But he, you know he's a proper modern pro, tries his hardest, and look, he's going to do a fantastic job for Sydney. Yeah, uh, there's still debate over the opening round. Um, the obviously the Melbourne victory versus Sydney FC blockbuster that is uh, scheduled to be the Saturday night. I've got my um, flights booked, so I'll be, yeah, I'd be a little bit upset if... Uh... Scheduled to be the Saturday night, obviously the Socceroos have got a friendly on the Friday night against Malaysia, which is a warm-up for the World Cup qualifier against Saudi Arabia, yeah. at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. no, no, Thailand. Amman. Amman. Oh, Sorry. right, yeah. Yeah, it's Amman. Sorry, second game. Um, but the, And the debate is, do they move that... Uh, to the Wednesday night potentially, and you know, I'm, I'm not guessing that, that Everton and Kiel really need to play against Malaysia on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where do you stand on that, Trev? I mean, should we be moving the if you're going to the, do... the A League games to accommodate Socceroos fixtures? You know. No, I, I, I think if they're going to do a move, they've got to do it very quickly. I think you know. Well, by the end of this week, really, I don't think you can leave it that much longer because people are making arrangements. Like as soon as I found out the game was happening, I mean, I'm, it's going to be a stag do I'm going down for, and there'll be a healthy amount of Sydney signers going to that game, and, and you know, perhaps even people from from other states going down to watch it. So they have to make the decision soon. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't move it because I suppose it sets a slightly strange precedent. Well, I mean, I'd prefer us to actually talk about, rather than this individual game, is should we actually be observing FIFA windows for the A-League? Yeah. You know, that's the bigger issue. We see the players that are back now. Because if we're, we're, you know, committed and we want to see Socceroos coming back here, and Holger has has had a big bit to play in that, you know, then surely we need to be taking a break from the A-League, because increasingly there's going to be more Socceroos players in the squad, at least, uh, that are that are playing for A-League teams. Yeah, so. and, and we're getting our fill of football over that time anyway. Well, exactly. You know, yeah. So it's not like we're, we're missing out on any sort of coverage or anything. OK, uh, Tim Cahill, somebody else who is uh, in the I Love Brett, Team Emerton camp. I love, um, I love Brett, I'm indifferent to Harry camp. Yeah, well, this, yeah, this is quite... I mean, there's been talk, you know... Or rumours uh, of you know Tim Cale and Harry Kuehl not necessarily been uh, getting on eye to eye, which is fair enough. You don't have to like everyone you work no, with. No, no, it's not a problem. Yeah, they, work, they work together well enough on the pitch in the Asian Cup, so you sort of don't really care whether they're best mates off it. But um, but he was very quick to uh, say, you know, for him, Brett Emerton's the heart and soul of the Australian team. He's a player that goes about his business very quietly. Um, and it has to be the biggest catch in the history of Australian football. That was where it it's got pretty. Him. It's pretty. The thing is about Cahill, like he, he he's very complimentary about certain players that he clearly likes and who go on for ages. I spoke to him. I asked him. You know, when we did the Harry guest editor um, special, and I asked Cahill to sort of, you know, do some sort of Harry moments or something like that. And like he pretty much 
shut down. Like he was, you know, he gave comments, but there was no excitement behind him. I, I don't, I'm not saying they dislike each other, but he's certainly not going to be going out of his way to give Harry any extra praise. Yeah. Um, I mean, a bit of, uh, I mean, some of the, what's been interesting over the last week or so since the Harry and the Brett side, and just a couple of anecdotal moments for me, it's like my next door neighbours, right? They're big St. George fans yeah. in the rugby league, but they like, you know, he likes his football. Watches watches football on the telly, you know, watches the soccerers. He shouted over the back fence this week, you know, hey, great news about Emerton, Kill coming back. Yeah. Might want to come down to some Sydney games where you, you know, yeah. might want to come down and watch a few games this year. You know, even my missus since today, like yesterday, it was like, I think I might come to a couple of Sydney games this year. She hasn't been since season one. Yeah. You know, so if that has been multiplied in back gardens and, you know, living rooms around the the country, you know, I think that, that there is an indication that that is, you know, getting beyond just the core football audience, you know, because yeah. my next door neighbours are not core football audience. They wouldn't be visiting our website. They don't buy the magazine that I keep telling them to. Yeah. Um, but they're aware of it. You know, they're aware of these two players coming back. They're, it's making them want to go and watch a game of football, which uh, can only be good news. Um, Miron yes, on the Gold Miron. Coast. He's set for a showdown with his American striker Alex Smith and his management uh, after the club uh, moved to pay out the remainder of his contract to make way for former Blackburn striker Marco Richter, who, as we said last week, uh, couldn't agree terms with uh, Wellington Phoenix after going there on trial. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I, I suppose it's a little bit of a moral dilemma, isn't it, to sign a 26-year-old to an A-League club and then pay him out before the season starts because something better's come along. Um, in a business sense, if it's above board and they agree a payment and, and he goes, there's not a lot you can really say, but I just wonder what, what sort of message that sends. I mean, I don't think they were overly impressed with Smith in pre-season, um, which didn't help his cause. I think if he was tearing it up, they'd probably find a way to keep him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's an awkward conversation. Just tough on him personally, isn't it, to, to get that A-League break and have it taken away from you just as quickly. Yeah. Uh, it also came after um, Miron's moved two senior players back onto youth contracts to make way for two internationals that were give, declared refugees by the Australian government, which meant that they could be brought in. That's a good feel-good feel story, isn't it? You know, if, if guys like that come in and do a job, that's great. Okay, so we'll see how that one turns out. But uh, it, it's getting a little bit ugly up there with a bit of war of words between uh, Smith's agent Ante Alec. Alilovic and uh, and Clive Mensik and um, Miron Blyberg up there. Brisbane Raw continued their uh, League of Nations. Yes. Up in uh, up in Queensland, they've signed Canadian international Issy Nakajima Faran on a one-year deal as their uh, replacement for departed skipper Matt Mackay. Mm. Twenty-four twenty-four caps for the Canadian national team. Um, as, as his name would suggest, you know, he's, uh, he, he has a Japanese uh, heritage, spent his formative years in Japan and England at Tokyo Verde and Crystal Palace. Uh, more recently has been playing in the Danish Super League. We should get on to Paul. Maybe yeah. Can, maybe give us a scouting report. Well, he, he was, he, he played in the lower tiers of Denmark as well. I mean, he, he's got kind of an okay, solid record. But certainly nothing to get excited of, and, and certainly not as good a replacement for for Matt McKay. I mean, that was always going to be hard. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a Raw fan. 
Really? Yeah, I, I think... But, I mean, this time last year, how many people were tipping Thomas Burrich to be one of the standout players in the A-League? Yeah, but he was a Bundesliga regular. This True. guy's from, you know, the slightly lower down in Danish football. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. But, yeah, look, you never know. Like you say, you, you get those players that come from nowhere, and I think a lot of people trust Ange's judgment. And if he can work within that system that seemed to work well even when they were missing players last season, then... Yeah, you should do okay. Yeah. Uh, Dean Heffernan has been released by Perth Glory, uh, even though he never played a game for him after he's decided to stay with his Chinese loan side, Xianning Huawin, <laughs> permanently. Yeah, really, you tested me this morning. Yeah. Uh, we wish Dean all the best, but there are other areas of the squad I'd like to now bolster, said Perth Glory coach Ian Ferguson. Trev? Yeah. Do any of that? Uh, yeah, a little bit of a strange one. I don't suppose you can blame Heffernan. Bit annoying for our A League season preview that's coming out <laughs> next week. They couldn't have couldn't he have announced it slightly earlier. He wasn't last one to watch, was he? No, no, thankfully not. No. Okay, uh, Tommy Orr. Let's have a round up of some of the uh, younger Aussies playing overseas. Tommy Orr got his first Eredivisie goal and got and provided an assist as uh, Utrecht defeated Roda JC three uh, one on Saturday. He started every game for Utrecht since returning for the Under Twenty World Cup. Great news. Brilliant news. Uh, Sarota and Zulo are on the bench. Um, what's in, I think what's interesting on this is that all start in every game, yet Zulo's playing for the Socceroos. Yeah, it's worked out well that deal was so far, hasn't it? And that's the good thing about going to the Dutch league is that um, they just give youngsters a chance, isn't it? It's just full of teenagers from youth academies and stuff. Yeah. And and it's that's ideal. Talked about it earlier, touched on it briefly. Chris Hurd. Um, How good was he? Um, it was... I mean, it was a poor game. Yeah, you know, it was nil-nil. Even I fell asleep, and I'm a Villa fan. And about your looks, a and bit it better. was the early game. Yeah, <laughs> it's it a nine o'clock kickoff. It couldn't keep me awake. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we had much the better of it for the first sort of sixty minutes, but just couldn't score. Um, but he played right back. You know, I'm not convinced that he's a he's a full time solution at right back, or he's even a right back. But that just made it even better that you know he's had a nice little haircut. Not, uh, hasn't got quite the, the bushy mop he used to have. He's got sport in some serious ink as well. But no, he had a very good game. Put himself about a bit. He, he basically headed the post as well. Yeah, nearly knocked himself that. out, which was a bit painful. But um, but yeah, you know, had he's a chance, certainly... didn't he? Forced to save. Yeah, yeah. no, he had a good header. Uh, attacked the ball. You know, he's certainly not afraid of a challenge. And, yeah. Um, you know, and and to be fair, you know, you say it's only Wolves, but Matt Jarvis on on their wing, you know, caused a lot of Premiership teams and a lot of Premiership fullbacks a lot of trouble last year, and uh, he kept him relatively quiet. So he's certainly, um, he, you know, I, they were looking at him going out on loan to Leeds yeah you know, only a couple of weeks ago but um, but I'd probably say he's put himself right in the mix to, to stay in the squad and you know I mean, I, and as I say longer term I'd, I'd see his position being more central midfield but again can only be good for the Socceroos if he's getting um, you know if he's getting regular action in the Premier League 22 yeah. so it's kind well, of it's the time, the, the you know, time, time to time kick on him, isn't you know, it he's not, he's not an 18 year old anymore no. you know if he's going to break through be that in the Premier League or the Championship he needs to start playing regular games now and hopefully he'll get that chance but he was man of the match and, uh, and rightly so so it'll be interesting to see whether he keeps his place or whether Hutton goes straight in yep uh, Aiden went down had a look at um, Football Federation Victoria's new FIFA standard facility um AstroTurf facility down there at Knox Regional Football Centre. Um, we've seen a few of these springing up. Uh, there's one obviously being built at uh, Sutherland Shire at the Endeavour yep. Sports High. There's the 
Soccer Fives, which is going in at the Central Coast Mariners uh, Centre of Excellence. Or is this, a, you know, do we, do we see the UK craze catching on here, Trev? Yeah, I mean, I think football's quite accessible anyway, but I think five aside's even more accessible. I think it's that that sport that get the 11-a-side people interested and those people that might waver from the 11-a-side to, to continue playing. I mean, yeah. I, I know I played five-a-side for a lot longer than I did, you know, 11-a-side. And, and like I say, I just... I think it's a good option, and if the facilities are there, it's going to make a big difference. Okay. And FFV say so money, any money made from the centre will go back into the game, reinvested into the game, and hope that um, they'll be able to open similar centres with uh, similar lo- ventures with local councils. So we'll um, we'll watch that develop, and certainly in the UK, the whole sort of you know five aside took off to the point that the FA have had to run specific programs to, to lure people back to the 11 aside game such was the success of it so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll see how that goes here alright that's it for part 2 we will be back in part 3 to review probably one of the most eventful Premier League weekends in its history we all have goals but sometimes we need a little help along the way the best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference Tiger Management and PR represents up and coming and established TV and radio presenters performers and sports people so if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the third part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to talk Premier League now. And last weekend, I mean, where else can we start? Other yeah, than West Trafford. Brom nil, Stoke <laughs> one. <laughs> Other than at Old Trafford. We're quite a remarkable game on Sunday. I mean, I, I got up on Monday morning and just like, checked on the iPad and had a look at the scores. I had to do like a triple take, rubbing the, the sleep from my eye to oh, yeah. check that I was, it was, wasn't like 2-2, it was 8-2. I was saying, I saw the headline, you know, Man U thrash off, and I wasn't actually that shocked. It wasn't until I saw the subhead yeah. that said 8-2. Then you and were... also, maybe more, the, the, the first goal wasn't scored until the 22nd minute. Yeah. So there were 10 goals in like 70 minutes, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's, I've, I've seen the game since, and it is a truly petrifying sight when that sea of red attacking players come out. You're already down, you're already getting hammered. But when they've got, you know, like Nani and Young now, Young seems to be, you know, fi- there's a Young finish, isn't there? Oh, that, yeah, that, that little curl. Yeah. He did it all, well, not as success. He never did it twice in a game for Villa, but... You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and as we, I think we said it last week, you know... It, He's one of those players that, and unfortunately, it seems to be Villa players that can do it because Dwight York did exactly the same thing. That go to Old Trafford and just settle in immediately. You know, yeah. a lot of players like Berbatov like take a season to settle at Old Trafford and get used to it. Whereas, you know, we seem to be developing players that rather go there and do very well. Um, and you know, but also, I mean, he, he just gives them another sort of attacking force really you know and it's quite scary like you say that there's there's Nani there's there's um, Valencia that's been yeah. figured this week you yeah. know, this, this season they're going to be lethal on the road as well that's a massive home win but away from home if, if, if they play on the counter um, and those players are surging forward um, yeah I mean last season Man U 
obviously won the title, made the Champions League final, but at the start of the season, they looked a little bit like you weren't sure if you know they hadn't replaced Ronaldo again and what have you. But this season, they just seem to have just a wealth of players. Yeah, and if you didn't know any better and you looked at that score and you'd say, well, Arsenal, 11 players out, obviously got bullied by a vastly superior, experienced Man United side. Yeah. That wasn't the case either. The Man United back four was, was Chris Smalling, uh, Phil Jones, uh, Johnny Evans and Patrice Everett and their average age was younger than Arsenal's. Yeah, Phil Jones as well has, has started playing better than I think many expected. Yeah, Rooney him. seems to be on fire, seems to be relishing the role as, as, as a senior player. You yeah. Know? Um, particularly when you compare it to where, where he was at on and off the pitch this time last year. Um, too early to shout England for the Euros? Oh yeah, yeah right. it will start building I up near and near. So I said, oh, Rooney's going to fire us to win the European Championship. I remember that before the World Cup as well. Have you not learned anything? Yeah. Um, but you know, a couple of those free kicks, those little free, that little free kick routine he's got with Young, where he just short ball and the and the keeper fell for it twice. Yeah, just moved to the one side, and then there was a beautiful finish where Rooney hit the post with a with a curling lob. Oh, um, yeah, it just came out, didn't it? Obviously, De Gea saved the penalty, but then let one through his legs from Walcott, which uh, I think Walcott took it quite early. I just don't think he expected him to hit it as hard. Um, Van Persie uh, missed the penalty, but then scored. Uh, and obviously, that's precipitated Arsenal's transfer day activity that we've already talked about. Um, let's look at Man U's. You'd probably say Man U's biggest rivals for the title, Trev, Man City. Uh, yeah. Went to Spurs, and let, I mean, let's compare Man City's approach to this game compared with their approach to this game on the opening day of last season, where they went there intent on not losing and came away with a nil-nil draw, and bar the heroics of Joe Hart, would have got battered. Yeah. Um, compare that to five-one this year with four goals for Jeco uh, and one for Aguero, Kabul with a consolation. Mm. And a couple of seasons ago when they missed out in the Champions League and they were home to Tottenham when Crouch scored the goal. That yeah. um, they set up defensively to grind out a point you know, in that game and perhaps try and nick it even though they needed to win. Yeah, they, they don't need to do that anymore. You know, they're, they're settled and they're good enough. And um, yeah, they're, they're sort of, they've got this team of small technical players that we've got to know Barcelona for surging forward and... They're going to be very, very hard. So Tottenham, who find themselves down the bottom, shouldn't be too disheartened because they've lost well, the they've main... lost to the two best sides yeah. in the league. Mo- so they're going to beat most teams this season. Yeah. And Jeko looks like a, a different player, you know, mm. than, than the sort of you know slightly lost figure we saw. So, you know, is that because Tebas is out? You know, is Jeko now flourishing because he he's playing as the point, the focal point of the attack? Yeah, that that's probably helped. And also, I think that the, the big January transfers are a little bit tough on players. You know, he's had a full pre-season to prepare and, you know, he knows how he fits into the team. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, we talked about Ashley Young and how quickly he's settled at Man United. Sammy Nasri took about five minutes to get into his stride. Yeah. Uh, for Man City, I think he set up three of the goals, three of Dzeko's goals. Um, you know, and that front four, you know, with, with Dzeko, Aguero, Silva and Nasri just looks dangerous you know there's, there's goals in that well, and Tevez as well yeah. and Tevez to come off the bench you know obviously hasn't gone anywhere now yeah. and, and I guess you know if you're Tevez you've probably had a look at it and gone hang on a minute <laughs> yeah what's happened here <laughs> might be able to uh, might be able to win the Champions League here you yeah know? Um, I mean obviously it's early days but you know do we see that 
Mancini's turned a corner with his with his cautiousness and, and letting these attacking players be on the pitch at the same time and not overloading the midfield and yeah, yeah he's still got a pretty solid back six, you know, yeah. like two still with the two holding midfielders, but you know, he's got such an array of attacking talent, you know, that it's difficult not to sort of play in that manner. Yeah, yeah, I mean it it's a massive turnaround that seems really, really quick. It seems to have come from nowhere. But um, there's no reason not to play like that when you've got those sort of players. And Balotelli's still to come off the bench. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, West Brom went down 1-0 at home to Stoke to a late goal. Awful goalkeeping from uh, from Ben Foster. You know, Shotton's foot was slightly raised, but in the last minute of the game, you've got to take that in the chest. Yeah. I'm sorry, you've got to put yourself in the way of that. That's, that's what a goalkeeper's there to do. Villa Wolves, Leicester the Bear, we've already chatted about that. The only bright spark out of that game was Chris Hurd. Uh, Blackburn, Brett Everton's uh, farewell. He was made captain for the day. Uh, got a very good send-off. Again, you know, just proving the fact that even the team is leaving. Kind of a bad thing to say about him. Uh, they missed two penalties. When, when things are going badly and when you're struggling, you feel like the world is against you and everything goes wrong on that. Because I know what happened last season West Ham were bottom, and that's what's happening to Blackburn at the minute. Like. They missed two penalties, uh, and then lost to a penalty in injury time, which from a guy was, who's just moved on was tough. You know, I mean, Chris Samba has, you know, leapt and headed the ball clear, and his natural sort of momentum after heading the ball has taken him into the forward, who just stands there and lets him go into him. Yeah. The ref gives a penalty in the 92nd minute. You know. I, I think that's one of the most inconsistent areas of refereeing, that sort of defender coming over the top of the striker, because sometimes the striker loses the foul because they're backing into them. Yeah. Sometimes the defender gets penalised for going over the top. And when penalties start giving, I think that was really harsh. Yeah. And if the, if the defender puts his hands on the player's shoulder yeah. to get extra le- you know, leverage or whatever, or to stop that player jumping, fair enough, but he didn't do that. Um, Chelsea Norwich, a bit of bite in this one between the two coaches. Uh, AVB showing that he's, he's cut from the Mourinho cloth. Yeah. Um, I, Chelsea eventually uh, got up, but it was only in the last ten minutes. Um, Norwich got back into this game with a with a Grant Holt equaliser after Basingo opened the scoring. Um, you know they made hard work of this. Yeah, Drogba and Torres did nothing to dispel the room. You know the the common consensus that they can't play in the same side. Uh, and really, it was only when Drogba went off, uh, he took a hell of a whack, was unconscious for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. You could see it was out when he was in the air, and then he hit the deck and bounced. It was horrible if you've not seen it. Um, I mean, what do we think? I mean, you know, where do you, what do you do with Torres? You know, he's £50 million player, um, but he's less, you know, it seems to be still less effective than the guy that was there already. Do you keep trying to find a way for them to play together, or do you just say, "Sorry, Fernando, you're on the bench, mate"? I think you've got to persevere for a little bit longer. Um, Chelsea were unimpressive, and I think Chelsea have looked, have had a very easy start fixture-wise, and they've looked unimpressive against modest teams. The Manchester teams have had a couple of banana skins and just swatted teams aside. Um, it'd be really interesting when Chelsea start taking on, you know, those Manchester teams or. Even you know people like Liverpool and uh, and perhaps even Arsenal um, and Tottenham, how well they go because there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement there. 
Yeah, well, they brought on uh, they brought on new signings, uh, Juan Mata and uh, Lukaku, um, who is a unit. If, did yeah, you see yeah. I think he deliberately wore a smaller shirt than he probably <laughs> should have done, because his shirt finished at his shorts, and he looks more like a rugby league player. He's massive. Yeah, and Mata scored Mata that. Mata scored 101st in the, minute. 101st minute, yeah, because of the uh, stoppage to Drogba. For Drogba's injury. Uh, Liverpool continue their good start to the season with a 3-1 home win against Bolton. Jordan Henderson and Charlie Adam getting their first goals for the uh, for the club. Uh, Henderson with a nice little curling finish. Adam with a strike from outside the box, which he enjoyed in front of the cop. Uh, Henderson was excellent. I'm a big critic of his. I think he's, a, he's just a, a little bit overrated, but he, he was brilliant. He seemed to be creative as well as industrious. Yeah. Uh, Swansea, 0-0 with Sunderland. Uh, Wigan, Got their first uh, win of the season, um, beating QPR 2-0 at home. DeSanto with uh, with both goals, two rare goals from him. Not exactly the most prolific of forwards. No. Uh, which rounded out week three. Um, obviously, there's a couple of teams, Spurs and Everton, that have only played two games because of the first round match being called off because of the riots. But... Um, Pretty do- ominous signs. Man United played three, won three, nine points. Man City played three, won three, nine points. Then you got Liverpool and Chelsea on t- on seven points. Uh, Wolves and Newcastle on seven points. Uh, Villa on five points. Wigan on five points. Stoke on five points. Down the bottom, three teams that yet to register a point: West Brom, Blackburn, and Spurs. With Arsenal on one point in seventeenth. Uh, is the top four settled already, Trev? Uh, yeah, it, it could In well that be. Order. Yeah, it could it could well be. Um, look, I mean, even look at the goal difference. I, I know they've had big weeks. Uh, ten and nine already. Yeah, to plus ten and nine. I mean, it's it's going to be a struggle for for other teams. They kind of needed someone like a city to start slowly and then build towards it. They've started incredibly. So yeah, I, I can see it being thought. I don't see Wolves being fifth, but I can see you know. That, that being the top four. Yeah, and decent starts for Wolves and Newcastle. You know, for all of uh, Newcastle's problems with obviously Kevin Nolan and Joey Barton and Andy Carroll. Um, they've started well. Your your mate Pardew up there. He's, um, he's a good manager. Yeah. He is a good manager. And it's not it's not an easy gig at the moment because the fans are not on side of the owner and they've lost a lot of players and they've had to sort of wheel and deal to get their squad um, together and a mid-table would be a good season f- for Newcastle, I think. Okay. Well, La Liga kicked off as well. Just a quick, uh, quick glance over there. Talking about <laughs> leagues already set up. Two games we'll talk about: Barcelona five, Villarreal nil, Real Zaragoza nil, Real Madrid six. So yeah. Real Madrid are top uh, on goal difference by one goal at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Messi two, Ronaldo hat trick. Um, yes, yeah, s- standard fare really. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, it's going to be those two at the top. There is a challenge, you know, from Malaga, who have uh, who have got a lot of money, although they, they lost uh, their opening game to Sevilla. Um, but it's so be interesting to see where that takes time. They've got some uh, Qatari investment there, um, and they seem, convinced, you know, committed to, to building the club up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can mount a challenge. You'd probably say it's certainly not going to be this season. Um and we already are seeing the the Messi Ronaldo goal off. Goal st- uh, Messi's shots, got yeah. two. Uh, Ronaldo got three. Yeah, I mean Real Madrid are away from home when they're winning six 0 I mean it's um, yeah. Zaragoza are in a lot of trouble though. They've had to sell all Looks their players. Like massive financial problems. Uh, Serie A hasn't started yet. This is still the uh, dispute over there between uh, 
the players and the and the league. So uh, it, it, it hasn't kicked off yet, but we'll keep you posted on that as soon as it does. All right, that's it for part three. We will be back in the final part of this week's podcast just to cast our eye towards the Socceroos opening qualifying matches for the 2014 World Cup and have a look at some of the, uh, the, the games that are taking place in the Euro 2012 qualifying as that nears its conclusion. The September issue of 442 is on sale now. Football's back and we have the complete season guide for all major European leagues, including a two-page profile on every English Premier League side, while we offer overviews of the Spanish, Italian and Germany campaigns. Also in this issue, there's an interview with rising soccer star Reese Williams and our regular performance section featuring tips from the world's best players on improving your game. 442, the ultimate football magazine, on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Final part for today is international weekend, half week, nearly a week. Um, Socceroos in action tomorrow night, Brisbane, at home to Thailand. Regulation win. Sportingbet.com.au to give you an idea. We've got Australia, a dollar and five cents the draw nine bucks and thailand 31 dollars to cause a massive upset it would do be, we see it happening trev a draw would be a massive massive upset i, I think even thailand to get a two-goal swing would be a surprise um no i, I don't really see uh, much of an upset the, the players got there um ahead of time a few days to prepare and what have you um home match against thailand yeah i, I would predict you know four nil predict anything but no 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 foreseeable problems okay saudi arabia on uh, wednesday obviously uh will be a sterner test That's um, country not, game, really, yeah. yeah you know they're, they're not as they're not as powerful as they were um obviously coached by frank reichard now who was uh you know tipped by many for socceroos job but uh, didn't transpire um you know they're, they're missing some of their, their stronger players over the last few years but you know they'll always be tough team to beat particularly at home yeah. Um, you know, do you see Holger resting a few players on Friday with with the second game in mind? Yeah, certainly, or, or at least you know players coming off, or you know key players like a Cahill or something that he'll rely need once to rely on. Once the job's on. done. Yeah. 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 Once the job's done, or or perhaps won't even need to start them. Let a few other people, you know, perhaps someone, um, you know, Robbie Cruz, remember if he's in the squad, someone like that, yeah. you know, to, to get a bit of a chance. Okay. We're in Europe. The European Championships are uh, are coming to the qualifying period is 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 coming down to the wire. Um, some of the bigger games, uh, let's pick some out. Germany, Austria, uh, always a, always a big game. Although obviously Germany very strong favourites to 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 win that. Germany are, are, are freaks in qualifications. You know, know. Or, or you know World Cups and Euros like t- you know just incredibly incredibly efficient at swatting teams aside and doing what they need to do so um i'd be surprised to not see them take care of austria um you know fairly easily i mean a few whipping games coming on faroe islands have have got a host italy um netherlands against san marino so a few foregone conclusions there yeah england travel to uh to bulgaria yes um you know would this be a test to england they you know, they, they, they obviously beat Bulgaria at Wembley. Um, Everything's a test for England. <laughs> Everything's hard work. I was reading they're struggling to shift tickets for that. I don't know if you saw that. There's a 43,000-seater stadium. I reckon they've only sold 15,000 tickets. 
and uh, they can't give them away to the locals. Yeah. Um, so that's, <laughs> well, I mean, that's not ideal. I mean, let's have a look at some of the standings. I mean, Group A, as you said, mate, Germany uh, you know, are almost, always, almost there already, or in fact, they probably are there. Uh, they've already got 21 points, seven wins from seven games. Uh, probably between Belgium and Turkey for second spot in that. Turkey play Kazakhstan, uh, which should be a win for them. Belgium away at Azerbaijan, so that probably won't change much. Uh, Republic of Ireland, Russia and Slovakia. Now, this is a tight group. All three of them uh, locked on 13 points uh, with four games to go. Um, Republic of Ireland, where are they? List here. A slight... um a slight underachieving nation at times, aren't they? Ireland play Slovakia, uh, so that is a top of the table, and Russia play Macedonia. Uh, so you'd probably say that Russia should win, beat Macedonia at home, but Ireland-Slovakia is a massive game. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Ireland, you know, make it. I think they're, they're always good value at tournaments, both sort of, you know, team-wise and fan-wise, so it'd be good to see them push on a little bit further. Okay, Group C, Italy are top on 16 points, uh, with Slovenia second and 11 points, and Northern Ireland third on nine points, and Serbia on eight points, so it's still, still pretty tight there. With um, you know, with three and four games to play, uh, Italy travel to the Faroe Islands. Uh, Northern Ireland take on Serbia, big game there. Yeah, uh, could put Northern Ireland right back in the frame. Um, Slovenia at home to Estonia, uh, so some some big games there. Yeah, uh, Northern Ireland and Serbia, I'd, I'd say, would, would be the pick of those. I mean, who would, you, who would you fancy on that? I mean, obviously, we saw Serbia over here recently. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fancy Serbia. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, Northern Ireland's, um, you know, battle well in these things, and, and you can't write them off at home. Um, England went there and lost, didn't they, but a few years yeah. back. I mean, here they go. Okay, Group D, uh, France, Belarus. Uh, France are on 13 points, top the group. Belarus on 12 points, second. Bosnia, Herzegovina. 10 points. Uh, Romania and Albania still on out of it uh, with 8 points. Um, there's 3 and 4 games to go uh, with some of the sides haven't played 7 already. So uh, games in that group is uh, Luxembourg play Romania. Luxembourg, not surprisingly, a rock bottom of the group. Um, although they have got a point. Um, Albania play France. Uh, Belarus play Bosnia-Herzegovina. That, so that's a big game. Second playing third. Uh, Belarus can go five points clear of Bosnia Herzegovina if they win that, um, and that, that's it for that group. It, it's a new era for France, isn't it? Laurent Blanc seems to have them playing again. It's not as much of a you know ribbery side. It's not as much of a star laden team as we've expected from France for a few years. But for, from a team that won a World Cup and then won a Euro, Euros not that long ago. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's got a massively underperformed. You yes, know, like yeah. Under Dominic. You know, when you looked at the squad they had at the last World Cup, you know, it's like there was no way that that squad should have gone out in the group stages. And yeah. obviously what, everything wasn't right within the camp as we saw yeah. from the... Don't pick players on their star signs would be <laughs> one of my pieces of advice. <laughs> uh, group E. The Netherlands are top of the group, 18 points. Uh, second, the Sweden on 15 Hungary, uh, third on 12. Four and three games left there as well. Finland are back in six points. So you'd probably say it's going to be between those three. 
Yeah. Um, games this weekend are Finland play Moldova, Hungary play Sweden. So that is, that's the big game in that group. Holland play San Marino. It should be a routine. San Marino played seven games, lost seven, and scored none and conceded 33. So I would say that the Holland are probably unbackable in that. Yeah. Um, so you, you'd probably say Holland and then flick a coin between Sweden and Hungary. Group F, Greece top the group uh, with 14 points. Croatia and Israel are neck and neck on 13, although Israel have played a game more. And Georgia back in uh, fourth on nine points. The games in that group are Israel versus Greece. Uh, so a big game there if Israel can, uh, can, can beat Greece. Israel are at home. Um, Georgia play Latvia uh, and Malta play Croatia. So you'd imagine that Croatia will pick up. So Croatia could top that group by the end of uh, the weekend if uh, Israel can beat um, Greece. Expect so, yeah. Yeah, Group G, England's group. England top the group, uh, level on points, but slightly ahead on goal difference uh, from Montenegro. They're both on 11 points, and then there's a six-point gap back to... Uh, to Switzerland and Bulgaria on five points. Wales, zero point. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect more from Wales. I mean, I think that was never going to be an easy group for them to get out of. But yeah, it's only a five-team group, this. So I believe only the top, top team, qualifies yeah. automatically. So England need to win that group. As we've said, England travel to Bulgaria. Wales play Montenegro at Wales. So England will be looking for Wales to do them a favour. Um, that's the, they're the only two games in Group G. Group H has Portugal... Denmark and Norway all tied on 10 points. Now, this is another five-team group. Uh, so, so this is big a shootout. Big team's going to miss out then. Yeah, it? so this is a shootout. So we've got this weekend... Uh, Norway. Norway, Iceland and Cyprus, Portugal. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, Portugal and Norway, one of those is going to miss out, but they're the two teams that always have sort of strange qualifications qualification processes you know they're, they're never overly convincing yeah. so to have them both in there they'll we'll probably battle each other for who wants to throw it away okay group i uh another five team group spain are uh are top of the group unsurprisingly no. played five one five uh 15 points czech republic uh played five one three on nine points and then a bit of a gap to Scotland and Lithuania on four points and Liechtenstein on three points Lithuania play Liechtenstein in a in the showdown uh, um, Scotland play the Czech Republic and Spain get the, the weekend off. How, how far behind Scotland uh, are Scotland to Czech Republic? Five points right. with a game in hand. Okay, so, so this is a massive game for Scotland. Yeah. You know, huge game because then that would put them within. You know, if they Two win the game, game in hand, in. they could go ahead of them. Uh, so that's all for uh, Friday and Saturday, and then there are games on Tuesday. Um, some of the pick of the bunch: Russia, Ireland will be a massive game uh, in Group B. Uh, Estonia, Northern Ireland, big game in Group C. Italy, Slovenia. Um, what else we got? England host Wales. Uh, Denmark, Denmark Norway. Norway will be a massive game. Uh, Croatia, Israel in Group F, as we talked about. That's all very tight. And Scotland, Lithuania. So, so Scotland got two home games, haven't they? Yeah, two so big... if Scotland can win these two home games. You know that that would put them in the mix. You know. When was the last? Was it France '98? The last tournament Scotland would have qualified for. I think it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Underwhelming times. Yeah. All right. That is it. 
for this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We really have been everywhere. We've been transfer deadline day, yeah. local news, Premier League and European Championships, and not to mention the Asian qualifiers. One thing, all that's left for us to do is to wish the Matildas all the best tonight. Uh, well, this afternoon, 5 o'clock, for the first of their uh, five uh, games over the next 11 days to qualify for the 2012 Olympics in London. Uh, we had the girls in a couple of weeks ago, and they're saying it's going to be a punishing schedule. Well, it all kicks off 5 o'clock our time. Unfortunately, it's not on TV, so I'll have to follow it on, on the Tinternet. Uh, and Trev, do you want to give a plug to next week's mag? Yes, yeah, well, I mean... The current issue is the European um, preview Premier League, you know, La Liga Serie A. So um, it was one last week to get that, so that you're you're ready for the European seasons. And then yes, next next week we'll have our uh, A League special edition out with previewing every team, expert analysis. Huh? Who's, who's doing uh, that? Then? No experts <laughs> and um, predictions as well. They're always they're always fun. They're always really Arnie, good. get ready. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, that's out next week but we, it's worth mentioning our mag store isn't it yeah we, you can buy you can buy the mag online now just from our website so you the current follow, issue follow the link you can buy the current issue for the same price in the news agents except it gets delivered to your home address so for free free postage free yeah. delivery so you can just jump online increasingly lazy times there you don't go. even have don't to go have up a news lift agent a, lift, well you do have to lift a finger because you have to press your mouse a but other, times. other than that you don't have to lift a foot no, there's no excuse for not getting Just it. Get along, buy it, keep us in the job. Soccer programme we'll as well. We'll all be happy. Yeah, soccer programme well. is up there for tomorrow night's game. So if you are not going to Brisbane, you're not going to be at the ground, but you want to get your programme, you can go and uh, buy the programme direct from us. All right, that is it from the 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks, Trevlar. Cheers. We will see you next week to review all the action that we've just been previewing. Speak to you later. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.